A very blessed New Year to everyone. What a joy to begin a new decade. And I hope that it is begun by all of you with a little hope that God is making things new. Um, Some of us are tired and maybe even too tired to hope, but it is my prayer that we can begin this year with expectation. Expectation of not of what we can do, but of what God can do. And the following episode is just a gift that God gave me in the, the first the first days of this new year that I feel like is kind of a roadmap for my own my own journey and a really confirmation of the path that he has placed me on. So I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Trust is My Home, a weekly podcast about living a covenant of trust with the Father. From Loretto House here in Austin, Texas to your own home, this podcast seeks to lay down and enflesh the foundation of trust that becomes the true rock on which to build a home. Each week we will talk about realigning our lives toward the Father. What does it mean to trust Him? If God is a good Father, and we believe that, how does that change the way we live our lives? We'll dig deep into the hidden treasures of the hearts of mothers and fathers who are choosing to live radical trust in God, and speak honestly about the challenges and the testimonies that come from such a life. This is a podcast from this home to your homes, meant to reach into the sometimes lonely struggles to weave encouragement, joy, and community into your day. So whether you're driving, cleaning, folding, or just stopping to listen, welcome to Trust is My Home. Hey there, welcome back to Trust is My Home. I am recording from Loretto House. um, Back in Austin, Texas, after some beautiful weeks of travel. And welcome to the new year. Welcome to 2020. Um, this episode, God is asking me to take a step out and not be safe. And so, um, I won't tell you how many times I've started recording and then begin again because, well, it's not worth it. But basically, I'm here, Lord. I'm going to be obedient. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to make a fool of myself for you because I love you. So here it goes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you don't have to listen to this. You can turn it off. It's great. So here we are in the world, in the church, 2020. Man, 2019 was difficult, was hard, was tiring, was wearying for so many people. I don't think I'm overgeneralizing that many people are walking into 2020 beaten, weary, tired, um, maybe cynical about the church, cynical about what God's doing, um, seeking him, like, where are you, Jesus? Where are you in the church? I don't see you in the church. I only see scandal in the church. And I, um, God is just being really clear to me that he is coming after his bride. And I just need to speak about it. <laughs> it's scary. Okay, so here I am. I'm just going to do it. I'm doing it. Okay, Jesus, I'm doing it. Stop tickling. Um, so here's the thing. God has not forgotten us. And the church is messed up. And God still hasn't forgotten us. And the church is messed up. 
And God gave me this beautiful vision uh, through really a living story. Um, I don't know if you ever read the prophetic uh, the prophetic books, but you know you'll have a prophet who has he's asked to do these crazy things, like these these prophetic actions, like go put your underwear in the wall, then take your underwear out of the wall, then put your underwear back in the wall, and then say to the people of God, you know, this is you. Um, I feel like God sometimes gives us a story that is also a prophetic word. And because I am, I'm fully like living right now, I'm standing in the presence of God and I'm claiming the prophetic authority of my baptism that God himself can speak to each one of us and he can speak to to us because we have been baptized and confirmed as priest, prophet, and king, okay? So that's the authority. I, I stand right now in the authority of, of somebody who has loved Jesus to the cross and has stood with him faithful there. And that is the position I'm taking as, as I share these words. So I hear God speaking a very particular word to the church in 2020, and it is his desire that I express it and I was trying to express it like very timidly uh, with apologetics and I just have to go ahead so what I hear God speak is that he is coming for his bride and then he's asking us to anoint his bride and it was a, a particular request for me like will you anoint my bride will you prepare help prepare the bride for my coming and the question is, like, who is his bride? Well, first of all, we have to recognize that we, the church, are his bride. We are his bride. He is the bridegroom. But man, <laughs> the bride is, uh, as we know, um, the bride has been, been through a lot. And um, we're not looking too pretty. So I just want to tell a story of... Of something that God showed me over this last three days. I was at a conference. I'm going to kind of be sparse on the particulars out of reverence for the individuals. So I was attending a beautiful conference with a beautiful family that I'm connected to through a prayer group. And um, at this conference, uh, God was really calling me to not necessarily do all the talks and go to these places and go into the stream of the hives and receiving all this, but actually to accompany and walk with my dear sister um, and great friend Kelly, uh, who was who was there with her six-month-year-old, who is also my goddaughter, um, to kind of walk beside her as she and her husband were kind of hosting kind of a booth at, at this conference. And I don't know if you've ever been to any conference, right? underneath you have like the vendors right the vendors and we have these tables that are lined up and you stand on one side of the table and you respond to um you know people from the other side well it was really clear for both kelly and i and michael that the way that we approach this this kind of booth or vendor is not as vendors that it they're here representing the church and this prayer community that they're a part of and have kind of birthed out of their home that we should represent it as a place of welcome and belonging and kind of ministering to people. That we need to rethink the way that we're engaging people. And it was just kind of a, a slow and very simple revelation uh, as, as the weekend began. So Kelly and I 
both, you know, you have a mother and somebody who was, who was given to God, so virgin and mother, right? Um, the two of us together were just speaking about creating this space. And what was really beautiful is that already there was an object that was taken out of their living room. And it was this beautiful image of the Divine Mercy that, that, that sits in their living room. And it's already a source of grace for so many, but they brought it with them to this conference. So we created that as a centerpiece of this living room space that we decided to create. So we, we kind of like at first started moving tables, like just kind of gradually pushing them aside. Okay. And then we just went radical and we're like, we are just going to claim it. We're going to claim the space. We're going to do this differently. So we went out into the town, uh, Kelly and I and baby Sophia, and, um, and basically got the things that we needed to make this little space. So we had these two comfortable chairs and three other chairs together around the Divine Mercy image. And uh, we had this table, we put a nice cloth on it. We uh, put a vase and two candles and so Kelly um, is somebody who ministers, uh, you know, through giving, using like the oils, like the essential oils. And she is someone who, um, you know, believes deeply in kind of restoring like the natural beauty of things and ministering to people through the gifts of creation. And part of that is the essential oils. So she had, we kind of thought, well, let's, let's make a place right here where we can kind of like minister to be or give to people through through these essential oils. Uh, maybe she could do a hand massage, or but just create a space of encounter like you would your living room, you know? And so in some ways we kind of made like a little section of Loretto House, or we made a little section of her living room, which is very much a house where Jesus dwells. And we could see over the weekend how people encounter the space so much differently than any of these other vendors. And through the weekend, um, you know, as we had set this up, we, we were seeing kind of a progressive kind of opening of people's hearts because we had changed the space and we made a piece of home in the midst of a conference. And I was noticing, you know, in this conference, you know, people walk from, you know, this talk to that talk and there's enthusiasm and excitement. There's just crowds of people walking back and forth. But my, my eye was on the, these people that were working um, at this conference center. And I noticed that they were working really long hours and, you know, 16 hour days, three days. And I, you know, engaged them because here is this conference that is, you know, for people that are fully open to God and his work. And I felt like it's really important that we, it's not like us and them. So, I had just kind of conversation with uh, some of the people working there. And one of them just really caught my heart and my eye was a woman who had um, very clearly been through a lot and had, you know, tattoos like all over her, you know, behind her ear, around her neck, and, and really had kind of this aura of somebody who had been like really kind of beaten through her life and really suffered through a lot and kind of lost her uh, kind of had like really you know kind of really baggy pants and just almost lost kind of this idea of just the beauty of her femininity and uh, 
just in the in the way that she carried herself and um I you know reached out to her and I talked to her several times and it was clear that she had kind of suffered so much that she she never really even had facial expressions like the suffering had been so great it was almost like she was dead inside from everything that she went through and all the way through the conference like my heart just kept on I don't know wanting to reach her and I was telling Kelly, I was like, I really feel like you, you need to give her a hand massage with your essential oils, you know, just to welcome her here and we need to be kind to her here. I should say that when I uh, when we set up this living room space, I just had in my mind that um, we should do this uh, chalkboard piece. You know, we bought it from the dollar store, a little piece of, you know, like the chalkboard. And we wrote anointing the bride. I just felt like that was... That was something that we needed to put there. So we kind of created this space, this table with two candles. It kind of looked like an altar in some ways. Two candles on the altar. There's a vase for flowers, and they had these two chairs, and they had the divine mercy, and people were coming and going. And but you know, during this weekend, this woman would walk by several times, and I told Kelly that I just felt like we were supposed to reach out to her, and she's like, "Absolutely, we should." And I talked to her different times, but every time, God's like, "Not yet, not yet. Don't call her over here yet." And so at this conference, um, I was, you know, listening to the Lord, like, God, what do you want now? Like, what do you want in this moment? And just trying to listen to him and be in that place of trust and respond to what he wanted each moment. And so there had been two days the conference had gone on. We're going into the third day of the conference. And that night had been a kind of a rough night. I came in for the third day, the last day of the conference. And I saw this woman again. And... On this day, beyond already kind of the this, this sense of being beaten, she was literally beaten up the night before. So I saw her last at like 11 o'clock, and it had, she had a very short night, and in that night she had been literally beaten up. And I was, I mean, there was cuts and bruises all over her, and she, here she was at work. And obviously not, not having the freedom just to take a, a day off. And uh, I just like asked her if I could just hug her. Um, my heart was so broken that she was just beaten. And um, and she said yes. And I remember even as I hugged her, I could just feel like she had been so beaten in her life that she didn't even like she couldn't even feel a hug, you know. And um, I just kind of was really heartbroken for her. I just felt like. Oh, it! My heart was really pierced for for this woman who who had been beaten so much that it's like she didn't even have a body anymore, or like she didn't even see, like she didn't even know, or couldn't even be scandalized by it herself. Like it was just so commonplace for her, and. Uh, at the last day of the conference, there was there was a mass, and at, at this mass, I was just in the back and I was praying, and I was I, I was just feeling like there's something there's something off, you know, there's something that that just is hurting me right now, and I was praying to God, I was like, God, where are you, you know, um, I'm looking for you, I'm looking for you, and I just started crying, and I was crying, and and God brought this image to me of this woman. And I saw him, I saw, I saw like, he said, I have hidden a treasure here 
I have a hidden treasure here at this conference. And he, this woman, this image of this woman came to my heart and he said, this is my bride. This is my bride. And I'm asking you, will you anoint my bride? And it was just so powerful. Like when you can see my bride and anoint her, the refreshment, the gifts, the desires of your heart, those will be given to you. But I need those who can see my bride. And I was very shaken by that. You know, in, in conference atmospheres, there's the way that conferences work is that there's a speaker that we have decided, like is a, a person that has a gift to give all of us. And there can be like, um, You know, the focus is like you want to bump into the speaker. You want to see the speaker. You want to talk to the speaker. You want to be like touched like, you know, you want to be connected to the, the um, whatever, whatever's being given, right? So like if you're a speaker at a conference and like, wow, that person, like I got to talk to this speaker. I got to talk to this person and wow, that was so amazing. And God was pointing the other direction, the opposite direction. He's like, that is my bride. And uh, after this mass, we had kind of, a, our whole group was getting together. And God had shown me in that mass, like that we were all to be rather around her and anoint this woman. And so I, I, I went over and I had asked her, like, would you be okay if, you know, we prayed for you and kind of just ministered to you? And she's like, yeah. You know, she, but it was kind of non non emotional response but yes yeah, sure and so we we all were together and I, I I asked you know it's like this group of wonderful people that was praying and 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 kind of had been participating with enthusiasm at this conference and everything that God was giving in this conference and I just mentioned to them that I felt like God was really asking us to pour gifts into this woman and they all they all said yes and it was really beautiful because you know, she came over and there was such a beautiful response of love. And everyone encountered the situation in a different way. And I saw that there was a way in which both Kelly and I were called to be really present to this woman. And as people were, you know, praying with her and praying over her, and desiring joy for her, a new life for her, um, there was something that God was was really speaking was that the outcome is not for you, you know, um, because there's you know when you when you give a gift like oh I gave this gift to somebody who's poor and now they have it and they're so happy it was like this is not what I want, you know I just want you to be able to anoint and give yourself to this woman and so. It was really beautiful because you had this mother, Kelly, who's a mother of six children and just beautiful. And she, she's just standing with this woman and just ministering to her with such maternal and lovely care. And there's other people around, but, but she was so present to this woman where she was and allowing where this woman was to really impact her heart and also just to fully receive her. And I remember when I hugged this woman and I, 
in hugging this woman, I I felt I'm gonna press my heart. I whispered in her ear. I said, you know, it's been a long time since you've cried, hasn't it? And she said, yeah. And God was like assuring me. I said, you know, everything that has been given to you through prayer or whatever, it is going to be so gently placed in you like a seed coming down into soil. And when she first came over, I kind of was in tears because, and I, I told her in front of everyone, I was like, God asked me to pray for you because he told me that you are his bride. And in some ways, people could say that situation is totally ridiculous because this woman is as far from a bride as possible. She's closer to looking like a man than a bride. She's beaten and bruised and tattooed. And yet, this is what God was impressing on my heart. And this is what I spoke. And as I spoke, my, my tears were coming. And after this moment of, you know, in the surrounding people around, and then in kind of in the end, in a deeper way, Kelly and, and myself just really pouring our love into her, I, uh, I really heard God say, like, the results are like, the transformation, her own tears, that's for me. I'm going to, I'm like so jealous for that kind of intimacy. It's not going to be a show for anybody else. It's for me. And so I have only asked you to, to give this gift to her. But when I'm alone with her, that's when it's fully going to be come to fruition. Because that's how much I love her. That's how much I'm jealous for her. That, that's how intimate I desire to be with her. That even as you give, or every person had their gift to give. But it, you don't get to see the result. And not because, oh, you did something wrong, but it's because I am jealous for the love of my bride and for her, kind of like, I'm jealous for her own privacy or her, the, like the reverence that is due to her. And I guess the funny thing is that we had um, been looking for lighter matches the whole weekend to light the candles that were on this table. And like the last thing I said to this woman, I was like, do you have a lighter? And she pulled out a lighter. And when she pulled out this lighter, I lit the candles and it was like, <laughs> there was just something so fitting. And Kelly didn't know that she turned around and was like, oh, the candles are lit. How did the candles get lit? And I said, this woman, she had a lighter. And it was so beautiful because it was just in this whole story and whatever God does for this woman, and her name is in my heart and I pray for her, is between her and God. But God was asking us to anoint his bride, to minister to his bride, to love his bride without even seeing like the fruits or not be like, wow, look what I did. And after this happened, then we lit these candles that all these people started coming to this, this space. Like it was like a release. I mean, so Michael and Kelly were praying with people and then they were trying to eat dinner and all these other people were trying to eat dinner and people were lining up and they were like, coming from all over like is this can we can we be prayed for like it was like God like released something in that moment 
And as I was, like, that was the last day, and God, like, in this moment, sealed this as a whole story for me. And he spoke to me, saying, this is what I want. So in this story, we have a few elements. Like, first of all, he doesn't, like, what happens, the healing is going to happen in the space of home, not in the space of, like, uh, my public platform or marketing. So he wants us to create homes that are places of healing. And, and the second thing is that um, we have to look for the eyes to see his bride because it's not necessarily going to be look like the way the world thinks it looks like that maybe his bride is going to be that person that's the furthest away from what you think should be his bride. And then by anointing, like by reaching out and, and pouring out love to his bride, then a fresh grace was given to all of us. But only after we had given and not expected results, and it was really kind of beautiful because this table kind of looked like an altar and had these two candles. And it was like, when we anointed the bride, then the sacrifice, like the, the, the altar, the candles could be lit for the altar. And it came to life, like the church came to life when we can finally anoint his bride. And so I really felt like through this, God was releasing something to me at least of what he is asking me to do, but I also think it's beyond that, what he's asking us to do, and the model for that. The model for the healing in the church, this bride. So like, let's look at the bride as the church now. Just like this woman who had tattoos and was beaten and disfigured and like looked the furthest from the bride. That's how the church looks right now. We have the tattoos of all these false gods. We have, we've sold ourselves. We've been beaten so much we can't even feel our own body. The church is, is, is hit by scandals and we're like sold in the marketplace. And, you know, just the way that we have conducted ourselves as a church is, is the furthest from what, what God has desired it to be. But what is the restoration? It's the restoration is the, through the friendships of consecrated and mothers and families like like the in the full like what does that mean like the full revelation of like the deep unity of the church like consecrated religious connected to families like because we need families families connected to consecrated religious and priests because we need them but like together creating a space of home to bring the orphan children to receive who God is and to receive ministry to receive life In 2020, God is trying to restore the bride. And that restoration is going to take place when we give up false glory, when we create a space of home, when we see God in the least of these, when we act with faith and not with like hustling for numbers, and when we can go out and see his treasures see his treasures in places that other people might not be able to see them because they don't have an Instagram or whatever. 
when we can see his treasures and we anoint them, then we all receive the gift. God is going to do some amazing things with the church. But it's going to happen when we start to really step into the call that each of us has to be those who anoint his bride. And we can approach this this year, you know, again, looking at scandal after scandal after scandal in the church and just give up on faith. Or we can listen deeper and say, Jesus, where are you? Show me where you are. Help me to see where you are. Give me the grace to respond with love when I find you. I was reading um, Psalm 38, uh, sorry, Psalm 68, 11, and it was really neat because there's several different translations, but um, one of the translation is like, I'll read it. Uh, this is a translation, there are several. The, um, the Lord gives the word, the women who announce the news are a great host. The kings of armies, they flee, they flee. The women at home divide the spoil. Though you men lie down among the sheepfolds. Um, basically, when like in this place of victory, like the victory is going to happen in this battle that we're in. But the very first place to taste the victory is home. And there's this false idea that we need to be out, kind of out in the middle of all the action. And that if we're at home, we're missing something. Like we're missing out, like, like fear of missing out is real, right? So like we're missing out, like unless I'm active and doing all these different things and activities and like this and like that, then I'm missing out. But the victory and the spoils of the victory first come to the home. If you look at like World War II, it's like the homes that receive the rejoicing of the victory before the soldiers. The soldiers are still making their way back. They're doing the cleanup. They're tired. Like, but the very first place for the actual victory to be tasted is in the home. It's in the stillness of the home that the victory can first be received. And so I guess in all of this, don't think if you're at home and you're making a space of welcome at home, that you're missing out on the victory that Christ is going to bring. In fact, you know, like just like Kelly and I, we were kind of, we felt like we were missing out on the gift of the conference. Like we were doing something, we we're like serving and supporting this instead of being at the talks where everyone was coming back. It was like, that was so amazing, this and this and this. And, and we were here like creating this space instead. But we were given the gift to first receive a taste of the victory and the best part. And so in this, I kind of have to summarize this crazy story. I don't know if it makes sense to you. The great thing is if I do, if I'm just obedient to God, that's enough. Um, the, 
like beginning this year by making a space of true home and welcome is the best way to say to Lord, I'm ready for your victory. I'm ready for your victory. And if you are there and you're tired and you, I just want to like call a lie out that like being at home and serving at home and seeing always on the periphery of where the excitement is, that's a lie. You are creating the resting place for the victory. You are creating like the bullseye for the victory to come. It's like nesting for the victory. So my, uh, I guess my, you know, desire for myself and for you is that we allow ourselves for, first of all, in our hearts, and then from that through our inner homes to create a space for the bride to be anointed and through that that we become the resting place of the victory of Christ and all of this can only be achieved through trust because trust is uh, is seeing what we don't like can't see in apparent apparently right um, like this woman that is working at this conference is beaten and bruised and tattooed honestly I mean she doesn't look like much but I thank God that he allowed me to experience his fierce love for her and that happens through trust. Because trust does not measure the, wor- the way the world measures. Trust is, are those eyes that we put on when God allows us to see, when he shows us some of the secrets that he has. And he shows us the secrets of his heart. If you look at the divine mercy image where Jesus is like taking back his... Um, you know, like clothing, and you can see, it's like, I'm, I'm showing those who trust me the secrets of my heart. And the light from there allows you to see things the way that I see things. And when you operate with that sight, you receive blessing in deeper way, and you receive the first taste of victory. So, whatever this is supposed to be, um, I pray that that God will continue to draw us closer to him and allow us to see how we might anoint his bride and that we might from that be given new hope and new love in 2020. God bless. I hope this episode was a blessing to you. And I look forward to discovering with all of you um, in these next, in the future. And as we go forward, what it truly means to know the bride and to rejoice. To rejoice with you in the work that God is doing and to continue to 
pursue God with a trust that he, even as we pursue him, he has already pursued us. Uh, for all of those who are still very weary and in need of a touch of life and of light, God is coming for you and he is not going to leave you where you are. So I pray that you can take encouragement in that and know that I am praying for you from here at Loretto House. Many blessings to you all and uh, I guess until next time, take care. <laughs>